welcome to Sojourn of Light. This podcast is truly a virtual sanctuary that transcends space and time in order to find that balance between what's cosmic and what's earthbound. And here we're talking about topics from entrepreneurism to creativity, spirituality to community building, all in the name of our sovereignty. Here, this is truly a space where you are welcome exactly as you are. Bring your questions, your comments over to me on YouTube, and always subscribe so that you get the updates when I drop new episodes, which I'll be planning to do every Friday with these Venusian energies and invite you to continue to share your stories in the way that you are. If you're ready, let's journey. When I was 12 years old, I walked into an African-American heritage museum that had been very serendipitously planted across the street from my great-grandmother's house in Rutherford County at the time. It changed my life. It was our custom at the time to get together with relatives from all over the country and particularly those family that we didn't see year-round in Rutherford County, generally around Thanksgiving or Christmas. And that year was interesting because not only was I the only member of my family to come to, or the, the my household, I should say, to come to the larger family gathering for Christmas. But it was also the first time that I was introduced to what genealogy and ancestry and ancestors meant. My cousins and I were outside playing as the adults, as they were, were inside either exchanging stories or exchanging recipes or playing spades or whatever else those things were that the adults did back in those days. Us kids and cousins were outside playing and I had noticed that this year across the street the apartments slash townhomes that were right across the way from us had been replaced, at least half of them anyway, with this sign that said African American Heritage Museum. And I knew that I hadn't seen this spot the year before. And so me loving libraries, books, words, learning as much as I did and being the resident nerd slash black sheep of the family, I was curious and wanted to go inside. So I pointed it out to my cousins and we made our way across the street. We opened the door and found ourselves greeted not only by the smell of thick incense, but also that smell that can only come from your favorite used bookstore or library. And my bookworms out there know exactly what I'm talking about. It was the smell of knowledge, of wisdom, of stories waiting to be passed on and carried from one person's mouth to another's ears. And for me, it was my little slice of heaven. And at the time, I didn't realize how short-lived that moment, but how profound that moment would be in my life. As we opened the door, we were greeted by the Black lady that had seeded her life's work and her vision into this museum and had made a home of a home. 
she welcomed us and asked us what brought us in and in many ways right away treated us as equals and me kind of being I guess spokesperson for the group because it was my fault that we had walked inside I responded and asked what that place was and she so warmly and kindly explained that it was a museum it was a place where knowledge and genealogy and family history and data and birth records and all these things were kept I was blown away I was curious if our family name was in there and so I offered the name up of the maternal line who I had been there with visiting and she promptly showed us over to the books where the genealogy records were kept and opened a page directly pointing to where our family name lie written in a book with records and branches and trees connecting other dots to other stories and other lives. I felt something inside me shake and I didn't really know why but it felt like that moment was big so big in fact this story has yet been untold until now I'm sure the cousins that walked into that museum with me should they listen to my podcast will also have their own versions of that day and what it meant to them for me I recognize it as the moment that I really became a light warrior, a truth teller, a truth seeker, and got yet again another chord, another clue, another connection in my pursuit of God and why I was there, why I was here, what my purpose was, what was this all about, who could give me answers. It was a piece to the puzzle for sure. And one that I didn't really realize the full meaning of until I got more deeply on my own path with anti-racism, racial equity, social justice, and now in its evolution, spiritual activism. For me, this work started a long time ago. And I'm realizing as I continue to nurture the relationship that I have with my ancestors, just how long the relationship has been. So as you probably guessed by now, this particular episode is going to focus on relationship with ancestors. So when I say ancestors, I want to also take a moment to define what that is exactly, because it can have different meanings or there can be different levels of a relationship here. For me, the individual relationship with the ancestors is defined by our DNA, our genealogy, that of our mothers and our fathers. And I would go, go as far as to say the culture that was practiced um, at large by those people who came before. And so for me, the individual or personal ancestors also connect to the collective ancestors which are sometimes shared amongst groups of people or perhaps all of us here as earth dwellers at large share collective ancestors 
there are some of those that are working with many of us at many different times or have different levels of relationship or might come to us at different times in our lives. It's all about what your particular relationship, understanding, connection might be. That's just mine and my take on it. So the other thing that I want to say about ancestors and having a relationship with with them, of course, as someone who knows what it is to kind of be wading in the water, so to speak, and not really sure where the root your roots are. Um, although I come from a place of speaking about my maternal line and paternal line, I didn't grow up in a household with my biological mother and father. I am the only child that the two of them had in their very brief and juvenile connection, um, or young connection, I should say, not juvenile. Or maybe, I don't know. (laughs) But I am the only child that they had. So it was interesting because I, in many ways was like the redheaded stepchild but also the black sheep and just you know always the outlier I always had my head in a book I was always curious I was always asking too many questions I never necessarily wanted to just go easily and do what I was told because I wondered why I wanted to know why these things that we did or we we believed about ourselves or couldn't do or couldn't be how did they make sense because this this God that I was talking to and forming this relationship with wasn't communicating these same limitations and beliefs that humans were, that the adults in my life were. And so I think that my relationship with the ancestors really came from a place of childlike wonder and curiosity. And I really want to convey that because I know that there are some people that will listen to this and say, well, I don't know the, the, the history or the lineage of my maternal line or my paternal line, or I was adopted, or I don't want to look into certain parts of my family and have relationship with those ancestors because they did really bad things. Like, I get all of this. What I want to convey, and maybe one of the reflection questions for our time together around this topic could be what does ancestry mean to you what previous lifetime or timeline do you feel connected to and how can you be curious about that you know sometimes we get so caught up in the formalities and 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 the politically correct way to do things that we can't just reduce it down to the simplest and most childlike form of of really connecting with things and I really think that in terms of spirit sometimes it really is that simple we don't necessarily all have the privilege of seeing our family's name in a book I certainly had that opportunity for it to seed something in me but I certainly didn't have the privilege and the advantage of, of being studied and versed in digging into those books because when we got back over to the house after discovering that place, the adults that we ran back to and told 
chastised us and we got in trouble and we're told to not go back in that place. And still to this day, I have not because something subconsciously told me it was wrong to express that curiosity. And the place that I felt most welcome for my questions and my wonder was with the unseen, was with my imaginary friends or out to a tree or over to the river or the pond or whatever I was playing with in nature. And so for me, my ancestry, my entry point, my sort of springboard has always been curiosity. And so the second thing that I would invite you to ask yourself is what have you been curious about from the past um, with your family, with global history, with the geography of where you live, what things have really drawn to you? For me, it was nature. Um, and so when I got to a place where I was ready um, to take the first step and, you know, I have to say that hindsight is twenty twenty, And at the time, I really thought that I was taking a righteous step. Um, and I was one of those people who got my DNA tested. And who's to say that the information, the data that I got back is 100% accurate. I have, you know, questions now, because as we should, we constantly see if things sort of meet up the test of integrity. And, and, you know, like, what's the motive behind why certain things are offered up, right? And, you know, now me being a little more reserved um, with certain aspects of, of my history and, um, you know, just who's, who's digging into it and why, you know, like there was a part, there's a part of me now that maybe wouldn't have done the DNA test, but at the time I did. And, and, and for whatever purpose that it served, I can say that it, it was well worth the money that I paid and the curiosity, the further curiosity that it sparked in me about where I came from and who my ancestors were slash are. Thank you, ancestors, for correcting me. That was them. <laughs> um, so when I got to the place where I did the DNA test, I had started to make some connections with history, but also the very real lives that these people who had lived in the this area, this region, just lifetimes before and had a very different experience to me, that interested me. What caused things to evolve? What things didn't evolve and why? I really wanted to know. And so as I was going through and really... um you know, reading the results from my DNA uh, test, one of the things that jumped out to me early on was the culture, the aspects of culture that really, um, quote unquote, worshiped nature. They found themselves as an equal expression of other forms of nature and of life through the divine. And that was something that I had always felt but didn't have words for. And so to see that you know, popping back out at me from a page that was giving me some details about, you know, the potentiality of my ancestors really drew me in. And from there, I think my whole world just opened up. And, you know, now over the last 10 years, it's really been this very synchronous journey between the pursuits of a career as an anti-oppression justice warrior 
um, turned minister, as well as the great, great, great granddaughter of a woman whose name I still do not yet know. And the only aspects of her story that I know are of her culture, which were of both black and indigenous blood. And from her story and not knowing her name and not knowing, you know, how she ended up in Podunk, Rutherford County and who her partner was, what their life was like, you know, like, were they enslaved or weren't they? Um, were they, were, were the black side, you know, was the black side of the family, the enslaved part and the indigenous, you know, got to explore and, and express their freedoms up until a certain point? Um, were there black people on the Trail of Tears? How many other, you know, indigenous tribes besides the Eastern Band or the Cherokee were also hiding slaves from the Underground Railroad? These were the questions that came up as I was digging into my family history, which is U.S. history, you know, and from there, I got even more curious and was like, okay, well, there's a part of me, there's an aspect of my bloodline that originates in Africa. And so I, I want to know what they were like, how they practiced and, you know, having the whole level down, deep down understanding um, and re-education for myself around not referencing Africa as a country, understanding that it's a continent, the largest in fact, um, and has been colonized over the years for many reasons. Some of that colonization started internally and was exploited by others who wanted to pursue Africa for its riches and resources. But also the more untold story you know, is what my ancestors were like pre-slavery. I didn't want to just start my Black history at the times when we were in chains and in shackles because the reality is if these people were brought over on ships against their will, there was a life that they had prior to being enslaved. That's not the sum of who they were and certainly not all that they ever will be. And part of my job in relationship with the ancestors is to share their stories and to keep them alive, to stay active in my pursuit and my curiosity of how they lived and what they believed and how I can apply that to my life now. And I think the more compelling thing for me in my relationship with the ancestors is the respect for the pioneering that they did, right? Like, my Egyptian or Kemetic bloodline and lineage goes back as far as the Dogon people who mapped the skies, who understood that there was an entire galaxy that was working parallel and in close relationship with us here, that there were energies that we came in with that were imprints in our natal charts that mapped out the way in which our purpose was going to play out on the earth, on this plane. And so if all these things were true and I did not have a relationship with those who held the knowledge, understanding that spirit and soul is energy and that the physical body may not 
be here but it doesn't mean that their energy has died because energy does not die science tells us this and so by keeping their energy present in my life I am keeping the time and space continuum that's wrapping the planet in light and balance as well and when you think about the bigness and the smallness of it all it really is pretty big shit like it's pretty cool like I can nerd out on this for a long time you know and I think the other thing that's really important that the collective ancestors seem to be really adamant about is conveying this message whether through me through others um, and it's shown up in the past in history Um, over time and it will continue to show up I think until we really hear until we really are applying the message but this understanding and this statement that we're all one it's not to negate or to uh to to eradicate is the word that I'm hearing the differences and the uniqueness and the authenticity in the cultures and the the geographies and the places from which we all come but it is to say that there is a shared source or entry point that we all originate from and when we get to this understanding where we apply that not just uh, at an at a at a feeling level but at a metaphysical level um at a applied life level I think is really when we'll start to see what is meant by the statement that we are all one because there are ancestors that sometimes have messages that will come through various people and for those of you listening to my podcast and here with me in the sanctuary I'm guessing that you're the kind of person who has some level of connection with spirituality maybe you've been curious about um, different experiences that you've had in your life that seem a little odd or weird and there's not been a place to talk about them in or maybe you're um, an intuitive maybe um, you're an empath maybe you're someone who's always been just really sensitive to other people's energy right and so there have been these experiences that many of us have had over our lives that are happening in the spiritual realm but we have no place to talk about them safely without sounding crazy and getting put in the loony house and what I'm bringing here in this conversation is this level of understanding that the ancestors and speaking about them is not just a spiritual thing it's not just for the crazy and 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 those who have lost it and are off off their rockers it's actually it just is because if we understand that we're all made up of energy and that there is life that basically dies and is reborn before our very eyes every within every 12 month cycle we we can understand on a scientific level then what we are connected to that we can't see and so what's also available to us in this relationship in my relationship with my ancestors at least I'll speak for myself or speak from the eye is that 
I'm saved so much time and heartache and difficulty by not trying to do this alone. And honestly, I can't imagine that I would have been able to get as far as I have in life trying to do this on my own in any way. They are available for the help as I freely, um, within my free will, within my sovereignty, invite them and welcome in their support. Um, When I'm praying, I will directly pray and name ancestors that I want to pray for, that I want to remember, that I want to honor and acknowledge or dedicate a prayer or devotion or something to. When I've had community events, especially over the past, I would say five, you know, three to five years, especially, um, there's a community altar in place so that people can acknowledge their ancestors, acknowledge somebody who whose shoulders that we're standing upon because we understand that there's nothing new under the sun. And so if my responsibility is to keep their stories alive and to speak truth, but also to connect what's happening presently to what's happened historically so that we can prevent the same harms from cycling again and again and again over time and we erase the stories and the truths of what happened and why why things were how they were, we continue to exacerbate the same problems and it pushes us further from peace. So what's really, I think, available to us um, in relationship with our ancestors um, is understanding that it's a marathon. We may not be able to see them, but trust that they've ran their leg of the race. They might be behind you. You can't see anything as you're running around that track because you've got the baton in your hand. And it's your race and you get to run it exactly how you want to. But understand that this is a marathon and there will be people after you that you pass your baton to. Just as there was somebody before you that gave you the baton in your hand now. And so as we have these sort of loops and these cycles and we're talking about generational wealth and we're talking about legacy and assets what are we doing this all for if not to acknowledge that there are ancestors and people who have done things in past lives that are either our burden to carry and clean up and clear or our gains to build upon for the empires of our family line for the glorification of life itself, the divine itself. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) So there are some questions in there for you to reflect on. There are definitely so many places that I could go with this conversation. I just want to also acknowledge you know, in honor of my black ancestors, those who came from Africa by their own free will or came against their will to the Americas, to Western North Carolina, to Southern Appalachia, and at some point by their own free will decided to root here and bring practices and cultures and traditions here because this was so much like where they were from and 
honey, I can say with my own two eyes and my own two feet that there is nothing more alike than I've ever seen than some of the mountains and valleys in parts of Africa that I have seen in Southern Appalachia. And I'm still, you know, a newbie in the early stages of my being a historian and a, and a research scientist, but trust and believe I'm checking for receipts for anything that I'm sharing, for anything that I'm teaching, passing on, any space that I'm setting. I want to know the facts, not just what we've been given. I want to go look in the books that are banned, the things that I'm not allowed to see because I want to know why. I want to stay curious and I want to have a connection with those that have already run their leg of the race because I can't see them, but they're there in the stands cheering me on. They're there supporting me and helping me find what I need so that I can not trip up and fall on my face until I finish the leg of the race. I wasn't even trying to rhyme, but hey, if if it flows, it flows, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's really it. That's really it. I, I, I just, I want to acknowledge them. I want to thank them. Whether people think I'm crazy for speaking about my ancestors so openly and, and incorporating them into my facilitation, which, yes, I have uh, behind the scenes been chastised by others for acknowledging ancestors at the beginning of my facilitation. And please believe I continue to do it and let it be known that I will continue to do it as long as it feels like the right thing to do. Because this work for justice, for liberation, for freedom, for love, for the remembering that we all come from divine source and therefore have value, have meaning and are already enough. I will always acknowledge the ancestors who have done the work for me to have the privilege to speak as freely as I do now. I cannot invisibilize them. I will not throw dirt on their names. And I will not act like we are unbothered when people tell us that we have to stay neatly in the boxes and categories for race and culture and ethnicity that have been given to us when our people have always been so much more. I am not just black and I am Eastern Band of the Cherokee. I have not had the privilege, as many Black Indigenous people have not had the privilege, to fill out tribal paperwork and to get those receipts because of the way the system has been set up for people that have my color skin to not know that we are also Indigenous so that we don't have access to the reparations and the land that's already ours by birthright. You see, there are many things that we have start started to wake up to, that we've started to remember. And I think that we have the collective ancestors to thank for that because injustice can't stay in balance for too long, right? We know that we are in the energy of Ma'at. They are there are divine and spiritual laws by which we are all bound that hold our very planet and existence in balance and harmony. And so until 
my great great grandmother's story gets told and I know her name freely and I have the full birthrights as a black indigenous descendant of the eastern band of the Cherokee or the Enninuaya who first told their stories orally and practiced freely without deed without paper without documentation and took in enslaved freed liberated running Africans because it was the right thing to do and the cultures merged and the timeline swapped and at some point the story stopped getting passed but this is why it's so important that each of us work with our own ancestors as well as the collective ancestors and we have a choice rightfully you're sovereign You may choose that you don't want to work with your ancestors, but I beg of you to at least ask yourself the question and to make peace with your choice that you choose not to do that work, that you choose not to pick up the burdens that they've left you. But understand that if you have children of your own or you have a partner or you have community, that at some point there's going to be some ancestors that those people call upon or look to. And where will you be in all of this is the real question. And there is a quote that I would love to share as we wrap our time together in the sanctuary for now. Sending you love, peace, joy, and all good things as we depart until we next meet again. Here is a quote from Oscar Rogers, Cherokee elder of the Easter Band of the Cherokee Indians. In the old days, there was peace and harmony in the mountains where our people, the Cherokee, lived, struggled for survival, and raised the young ones. There was respect for the elders, and they were honored in our ceremonies. Don't get me wrong, we were not without our difficulties because there was plenty with surviving a winter in the mountains. We were a people who shared things and we did not own the land. We had everything in nature and Mother Earth gifted us with plants for food and for our ills. We beat our drum, sang our songs, danced, and worked for survival of the family clan and tribe. We were one with each other in the universal circle of life. You have been listening to Sojourn of Light, and my name is Cortina Janelle, It has been an honor and a privilege to have hosted and facilitated this time together here in the sanctuary once again. If you're so called, you can check out the description box for more details on any things that I might have discussed or that I might want to expand on and send you more links and resources about. And you're always welcome to make a one-time or reoccurring donation, tithe, or sponsorship whichever journey suits your tea, at oshana.org backslash donate dash tithe 
or you can just visit oshana.org and look for that donate button somewhere at the top. All donations to House of Soleil and Ade Project through Oshana Church of Spiritual Activism are tax deductible as we are a 501c3 nonprofit faith community. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your divine being. And I'll see you next time.